Martel Stag. His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter. It's banter behind the throne. Hello and welcome back to Banter Behind the Throne. This is episode 62. I'm your host, Dave Bamford, Mr. Dab on the Boards, and I'm joined today by Mr. Lol Craven. Say hello, Lol. Hello. And Mr. Thomas Peel. Hello. Thank you. And we have a very special guest today this week, Rowan Gavin, or Cobra Bubbles. Say hello, Rowan. Hello. Fantastic. Uh, Rowan was banned from coming on the show at the end of last year because uh, he has issues with Skype and recording was much too much of a hassle, but we thought this week was so important that we were forced to get Skype for free. So thank you for joining us, Rowan. Um, well, thank my housemate. It's his laptop. What a nice chap. Uh, <laughs> this week we are going to cover... Uh, the deck I played a couple of weeks ago at the Thrones Weekender, because now it is no longer embargoed. It has been played at Thrones War. It is available for all to see on Thrones TV. Then we're going to talk about uh, Rowan and I playing a certain extra fun deck called Banterbridge at the weekend. And what a lovely time we had there. Uh, and then Peel is going to ask us, what do we think about the TV show and the books? And what kind of chaos is going to happen? when we inevitably don't get any more books and we're left with uh, you know, the shell of a TV show that we have. So, Martel Stag. Okay, so two weeks ago at the Weekender, I played Martel Banner of the Stag at Stott. Uh The deck I played was built by Jeremy Hammond and altered by Alex Black and the rest of Team Martel uh, in preparation for Thrones War and so was under embargo until then. You'll be happy to hear, as I was, that Martel won Thrones War, at least the team portion, um, and the deck did pretty well. I think one person took it to the top four, which isn't bad at all. Uh, and congratulations to Baratheon, who actually won the tournament, but that doesn't really count, so it's fine. Um, Martel Stag is, in essence, a Varys and Table and Chairs deck. So the idea is delay your opponent, stall, win dominance, steal power, uh, Varys all their characters away and uh, do all the fun things like that. Uh, you may have seen Tyrell Stagg has been doing pretty well recently. Ryan Wood won two tournaments on the trot at the fake Terrible Weekender in the south. Uh, so congratulations to him. He won it with Tyrell Stagg. This variant is a bit more... Um, a bit more interesting, but a bit less consistent. I think with the Martel cards, you get a bit of uh, a bit more NPE-ness in the whole uh, delay with Gaston Grey and the Boneway. And all that kind of thing, um, but it loses some of the uh, some of the control from Tyrell, such as Gaston Grey, and of course all the drawing stuff. Uh, Rowan, you've been playing a bit of Tyrell Stag in the past, and you were there when Reese built the deck that Ryan took on to those tournaments. Do you have any uh, comments on it? Well, just that um, I always think of it as the Reese deck, uh, even though Ryan's had the success with it, just because it's uh, so, A, hilariously stupid as Reese's deck builds usually are, and B, um, so much like the kind of thing he loved to play in first edition, i.e. Um, really interminably tedious Reese-heavy control. Um, 
And I was, yeah, I was the, I actually played the first ever draft of the deck before anybody else did at the Paramore Invitational last year. Um, we said built it and then gave it to Bambi to give to me. Um, and at that time it was awful. Um, <laughs> and then Reese and I made it better with a view for him to him taking it to Stardeck, but in the end we decided before Valor it wasn't quite good enough. Um, Ryan seems to have shown that after Valor it is definitely good enough. Uh, yeah, I find it actually a, quite an engaging deck to play against. I discovered at Stockton that it's not a very engaging deck to play with. <laughs> so I probably won't play it again. But there you go. <laughs> okay. I, I thought there were fun elements to the Martel variant. Um, it's one of those decks that has you on the edge of your seat for quite a while in the yeah. game because it takes a while to get set up. And there's always the chance that the enemy will just, uh, the enemy, the opponent, will just get carried away and uh, win the game before you get a chance to, which obviously uh, upsets me greatly. We'll stick with enemy. I like that term. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, in the first round. <laughs> so in the first time, my enemy was Whammer. <laughs> I pillaged his lands and took his sheep. <laughs> it was glorious. All praise the Thunder God. <laughs> yeah, so uh, one of the interesting cards in the Martel version we played was the Earring. And I looked at the deck list and I said to whoever gave it to me, Jeremy, I think initially, and then Alex again afterwards. Um, this is this is nonsense. Why are you running the area? And they said, try it. You know, it's pretty good with Barris. And my God, it is good with Barris. I cannot, I cannot overstate how how good it was, how useful it was, and which is ridiculous because remind I us, played uh, that card just like everybody else. Remind us again, Dave, for the okay. new listeners and myself. Um, okay. <laughs> what is it the Eerie does? The Eerie is a four-cost neutral location. Okay. And uh, it has the reaction, after a phase begins, near the Eerie to choose a character. That character gains cannot be killed until the end of the phase. Very good to know for all you new players. Yeah. So, obviously, it's very good in keeping Varys alive to the challenges phase, through the challenges phase into the dominance phase. I played against um, Ash in Stockton, and he flipped... Oh, what was it? Storm of Swords, and he had a Rob with Ice, so I was expecting to lose three characters to military claim, uh, but I just played Varus on his own and made him can't be killed, so that was fine. Wiped his board, and uh, from there it was pretty straightforward. Uh, and that that alone is good, but then there's other uses, like you can just play a Chud on his own and just keep him through the, the military challenge, use him to, you know, get the power back. And it's just really surprisingly useful keeping that one crap character on the board mm. past their military claim. Because um, obviously it loses, when you've got a few characters on the board, it loses a bit of them because you can only protect your good one. But if you've only got one terrible character, you can just use it to ignore their military challenge and then uh, use them for other more productive things, which is pretty useful. Uh, my favourite play of it, obviously you can use it on your own Valor turn, or if you're expecting their Valor to keep Mel or Littlefinger alive, which is useful. But, um, my favourite play with it so far is using it to protect Shireen from uh, Crocodile Hammers' Seastone Chair. Now, Shireen's not normally the kind of character you want to protect from death, but I just kept her through um, through that challenge phase so I could use her to battle with, which was quite fun. Uh, so it's that kind of like little trick that is nice. And obviously, if you do have enough military strength, which is pretty unlikely, you can use it to uh, make your opponent's chuds cannot be killed, which is fun. Yeah. Um, it's like having a last action hero. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So uh, the 
the deck was pretty fun, I thought. I took it to third or fourth at Stockton, uh, and then I thought, you know, it's probably enough playing it for now, I think. Uh, maybe I'll revisit it again, because, as, as Rowan says, you know, there are engaging elements to it, but tables and chairs in their simplest form are kind of dumb. Okay. Uh, I'll stop talking for now. And uh, Rowan, can you tell us about Banterbridge? Give a little bit of uh, its history, as far as you can remember, and tell us about this weekend and how that came about. Yes, I'd love to. Um, so, as it happens, uh, the history of this deck also goes back to the Paramount Invitational last year, um, proving, as if it were in doubt, that that tournament is the root of all important developments in Thrones ever. <laughs> this is true. Um, and uh, uh, so that was the first tournament, I think, possibly anywhere, where um, the first pack of the new cycle was legal. Um, and uh, we proxied it, basically. Alex Hines bought his copy of it from Canada so we could see all the shiny new cards. Um, and uh, Josh uh, saw a card in the pack called the Bitter Bridge Encampment, um, which I suppose we should recap for anyone who's been hiding under a jankless rock. Or uh, me. Or <laughs> you, you, know, you know about the bridge. Have a bit of a deal. But yeah, so Josh saw this card and uh, saw that it was the kind of card that everybody else would say is a bad card, and therefore immediately built the deck with it. <laughs> um, uh, his was a banner dragon deck, and the concept was basically to make a bit of bridge encampment good. Um, I didn't recap, but it does. It says it's a three-cost tier location loyal reaction after you reveal a summer plot, or after a summer plot is revealed, rather. Um, need it to uh, have each player put a character into play from their hand if they want to, um, for free. So it gives you opponent-free stuff, which on the face of it is not very good. Um, Josh's thinking was, how do we make this good? Well, we just have to consistently make sure that whatever we put down is better than whatever they put down. Um, and the obvious solution to that is just to run no cheap characters in your deck, um, so that so that you're you're always getting at least four golds worth of value out of it. And not, uh, as a plus, you can run first Nova winter and be completely immune to it. There was at the time a variant of his list which was also immune to ward, because Stark was very popular in the meta at this point. And uh, yeah, being immune to first snow, which was everywhere, and ward, which was everywhere, was uh, a pretty big bonus, I think. Especially as I, uh, during that tournament, I ran um, Martel Banner Wolf with First Snowman Ward. So, that's frustrating. <laughs> but go on. Anything, anything else yeah. on the, uh, the deck? Any, go on. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the defining, basically, game plan is dig like a madman for Banter Bridge, um, play it, ideally play the Arbor at some point early also, and then just hope that your big stuff is better than the, your opponent's stuff. Um, <laughs> So that digging like Matt Banovich meant that uh, Josh was playing cards like Dragon's Tail, um, and obviously three much and more, um, and three Pleasure Barge. And yeah, the first time I played him against him, he drew about seven cards or something on the first turn, and Banovich was the seventh, and he went thank God, um, <laughs> <laughs> and played it, and then proceeded to jank at me for quite some time. Um, I thought he, he I played him twice at that tournament, and he won both because. That iteration of Reese's deck was running first snow as well, so I was first knowing, getting first snow twice each game, and he was completely immune to it. <laughs> uh, 
but anyway, I digress. Um, so fast forward well to. I was going to say he did pretty well of it, well with it in that uh, in that tournament. He made top four in Swiss, and then we had that cut to the top sixteen, and he managed mm-hmm. to battle his way back to the top four before getting eliminated. So uh, he had a pretty good record. Yeah, yeah, no, he did well, um, and I think part of that was due to setup luck, as is the thing with this deck. If you set up individually, but you're generally laughing. Um, if you set up neither, your setup is undoubtedly awful because <laughs> everything in your deck comes four or more. So, um, yeah, that can, that can hurt. But anyway, back to the present. Um, a couple of weeks ago, driving back from the Stockton tournament, uh, where Dave played Martel Stag, um, you and I were discussing, uh, the possibility of going to this Loughborough store champ and, uh, what we might play. And then we had a brainwave that we should both play Banterbridge because it would be just hilarious fun. Um, and we decided on our respective banners. Um, I decided on Wolf. I'd been fiddling around with Banterbridge Wolf after I saw Josh's initial list. Um, but didn't quite pack the kind of punch that the Dragon Bill did with Miri. Um, but I thought some of the new start cards would help. Um, and, uh, you, uh, you went with Banner Watch. Um, mainly for Krasta, I believe, was the drawing point there. Um, it, the whole thing started because uh, Josh and Wammer were discussing a deck title, Schrodinger's Banter. And I asked, well, what's that? And they said, well, the most banter deck in the meta is Banterbridge, and the least banter deck is the Wolves. So put them together, and, you know, what's going to come out at any one time? Schrodinger's Banter. And I thought, yeah, that sounds great. Um, and there's, <laughs> there's plenty of good uh, good Night's Watch, like, you know, the Ranger parties are good, Benjamin's good, uh, but Craster is real key, really key in uh, keeping keeping a board presence around the resets. Uh, you can even put him in after they've revealed a reset to surprise them, which is fun. And uh, this deck can get behind if the reset goes badly. So, yeah. Tell us about Wolf, then. And how well, you yeah. Um... The initial reason I wanted to play it in Wolf was just because uh, you get to play Old Man, which is obviously great, um, because then you can use non-summer plots and still get your bit of bridge trigger. Uh, so that's pretty fun. And then the recent cards that have made it even better are um, mostly Harren Hall. Um, Harren Hall with Banner Bridge forms a combo that I like to call Two Enter, One Leaves. Uh, because um, that's what happens. You take a bandage and they put in something good, then you can immediately kill it with Aranor and your upper character, and they have something good in their dead pile. Um, in testing, this ended up causing thing- wonderful things to happen, like having Lannis to not put anything of cost over three into play with Banterbridge all game because they didn't want Tywin, Cersei, etc. to get just immediately murdered. Um, and of course, like most cards, Aranor is better in the plot phase because there's, nobody has any gold to treachery it. Um, so yeah, that was the main thing. And then also, I had a little Roos Bolton module, a couple of copies of Roos, and a crown of golden roses to kingify him and give him silly amounts of strength. Um, to a bit of board control. Um, yeah, that was generally it, really. So you Just, ran, you ran old Nat. Any other cost and lower characters? Because that is kind of a sin. In, uh, it is kind of a sin. I did sin slightly more. I think old man. I think I get free pass on old man because she's old man. Yeah. Um, uh, but I did play one copy of Marjorie, um, 
I should I justify it to myself on some level because it's mostly there to make uh, Roos and the Florent Knights better. So it's kind of it's combo enabler rather than just good stuff in this deck. And of course, I'm not running any copies of Randall Tarly, um, so she's obviously just worse in that regard. So I feel like she she plays into the whole kind of janky feel of the thing, um, despite the slightly criminal cost. Okay, so how did your day go? Oh, well, very well. It was good fun. Um, I played a Lannister Fealty, a Lannister Stag, or Reigns, and a Targ crossing in the uh, in the Swiss. Um, the Lanny Stag was played by Keb, uh, who was my only loss, and Keb also beat you, I believe. Yep, Keb did. Uh, so I'm sure there's a burner of bridges joke in there somewhere. But, we won't um, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. Kev just played a really, really well timed Valor against me. Um, caught me out and uh, yeah, rolled me from there really. But every other game, the deck performed pretty swimmingly. I set up Arbor Batman Bridge every game. Um, yeah, had big stuff, killed big stuff with Reese and Aaron Hall. And then you can rush like crazy between Eddard, Order Knights of Summer, Renly. Um, and I've got three River Run Minstrel as well, mostly because winning a game by banter bridging in a Minstrel is the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the deck's pretty quick once you get set up, actually. Um, and, uh, I, oh, I also have, and I believe you do too, Jack and Agar, yep. um, who's excellent with Bitter Bridge because if they drop in something unique, then you can immediately drop in, uh, Jack and then mark it for death. Um, so I used that combo to kill a Daenerys, I Ooh. think, in the last one of the Swiss. It's pretty neat. Um, yeah, and then, um, so I was kind of thrilled that I'd made the cut with this silly, silly pile of jank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I played against, I was matched against Notchwitch Fealty in the top four, and I was thinking, okay, well, this is the end. Um, this is far and away the worst matchup for a silly deck like this. Because um, I just don't have any of the answers. I did put some nightmares in, um, in the end, but uh, I didn't draw any of them. Um, but I did actually still beat the Nightwatch deck, um, which I was quite happy with. I got uh, Randy's host early, so Intimidate was doing work. Um, and then uh, turn one, I had Syria out, and my opponent realised he couldn't defend the wall, so he attacked, catching me off guard, right? Because he's a Nightwatch player, and I wasn't expecting to be attacked. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> so I take dominance. No, 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 I'm attacking. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> and That's not first thing. It was a military challenge, and the old man died. Oh. So, but that obviously fired me up to motivate me to play possibly one of the best games of Thrones I've ever played. Um, and yeah, and there was some neat moves in it that I'm slightly arrogantly proud of, including. Letting Assyria Pharrell die to cure his opium addiction when I brought him back as a ghost. <laughs> um, things like that. So yeah, I beat the watch, which was fun. Um, and then I played Whammer in the final, and Whammer was playing an equally silly deck. Um, Barra Rose with, uh, three copies of Visited by Shadows and Stannis and House Florent Knights for General, um, Tom Foolery. Uh, but, I got, I think I had Bitbridge on setup and Arbor by turn two. And he had a very slow start. Um, 
and then and the characters he did draw were all first knowable apart from the Night of Flowers, so that was a board wipe. And that was that, really. So I uh, sort of accidentally won a store champ with a completely bullshit deck. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations. A lot Thank of, you. A lot of respect for that. <laughs> so yeah, a winning deck with uh, four cards under cost well, four characters under cost four is pretty nice. Will you be putting the list up? Yeah. I will do. I am um, writing a ridiculously long-winded description, as is my want. Um, so that will go up at some point. Uh, I guess it will be up before this episode is, so... Probably. probably. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so uh, I played Banner Watch in my Banter Bridge deck. As I said earlier, the idea is uh, Craster's great, Benjin is great, um, but we also thought, you know, this is kind of the, uh, the Don't You Like My Presence deck. So if they try to valor away all the things you gave them, you put Craster into play and bring them all back. And then uh, if they try to attack you with the things you gave them, you just put Craven on them. That's fine. Lovely stuff. Um, I had a cheeky banter wall as my 61st card because uh, I couldn't really fit it initially. and I, man, I cut, went down from 3 to 1. Um, but in testing, the wall was just so useful, I went up to 2 before the day. Which is definitely the right decision. Uh, because once the big wall of Bantabridge characters is out, it's very difficult to get an opposed challenge past them. There is a lot of very high strength, <laughs> lots of icons characters, um, which is good fun. Uh, I went 2-2 on the day. I lost to Whammer and Kev. Uh, I think if I had pulled another turn out from Whammer, I may have got round. I know it's about three or four turns in a row he played plots that were bad for him because he had no choice. Uh, if I had got to the seventh one, I may have uh, been able to claw it back, but uh, alas, it was not to be. He caused me some issues with his uh, Visited by Shadows and um, House Florence Knights. Uh, and Keb eliminated my hand, Ballard, and then, of course, on her Ballard turn, I drew Craster, which was fun. Like, where were you 15 seconds ago? But uh, I, I beat um, Adam East playing Tyrell Winter which is quite a brutal deck if it gets going, but luckily it didn't. Uh, and uh, John, who was playing Tyrell Summer, uh, and I had the uh, the great play, and then he, he said, you know, it was okay losing to me because of how much fun this play was, and he only had three characters and wildfired, killing about six of mine. Um, a real board disparity. Uh, and I chose which ones to keep and triggered Banterbridge, uh, put Craster into play, course. Uh, he put in Marjorie, and then when I popped Craster, my House Florent Knight came back into play and nuked his Marjorie. So that was uh, that was great fun. It's like, basically, <laughs> we ended the turn in exactly the... Well, we ended the plot phase in exactly the same place we had started the plot phase in. Like, no power had been lost. No board had been lost. Just <laughs> one card fewer in hand each. And mine was a now useless Craster. And his was a very useful march, so uh, that was good fun. Uh, but yeah, the the deck looks really inconsistent, but if you're a little lucky with your setups, it's it's not. And even with a bad setup, you can kind of recover. I yeah, the two games I lost that day were my first two losses, and I lost another one in the casual game afterwards when I set up just a Benjamin who got marched. Um, that's obviously kind of difficult to get past. But the rest of the time, I won all my games with it. And 
every single game except that very very last one was was pretty close you know i was in it at points even if not at the end you know it was it was reasonably close so i don't know how it gets so consistent but you know even when you can just play one or two characters a turn it could just these characters are big and if you can't answer them eventually you can't get any challenges through and if i see the wall i win so uh yeah it was quite interesting quite quite good fun um I'll yeah, my list up yeah, as well, I, but uh, it was obviously less good than the Wolf one, even though I thought in testing it was better. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as it seems to go, um, I do well on the Friday night in our casual games, and then you outperform me in the tournament. Yeah, I think we should keep doing those Friday night games. They seem to be working well <laughs> for me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I found the deck. Um, speaking of consistency, I've yet to play a game which hasn't been close with it. I've played probably about 10 games or 12 with the local Norwich folk. Um, and then, yeah, the tournament as well. Um, and other games that I've lost, I've not been out of any of them. They've all been close, mostly just because your backup plan is um, Fast Eddie and Renly just going at it, which is pretty good. Um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, the probably the game where the deck has suffered the most was actually in the mirror match on the Friday night that we played oh, that was <laughs> against your version. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, that, that turned when I saw the wall and suddenly yeah. I was faster. When, as uh, Eddie was cravened, it was, yeah, can you get enough renown before I trigger the wall enough times to win? The answer is generally no. That was good fun. Um, yeah, I think the deck is usually okay against Craven, just because you've got uh, loads of draw and three battle shirts and, and big stuff to win the challenge, but obviously when your opponent has equally big stuff, it's just that much harder to get the battle shirts going in a timely fashion. Yeah. I did do the most anti-banter thing possible in that game, of course. I used my mm. pyromancers to blow up your banter bridge. Which was, yeah, I had to play another one. <laughs> which which was painful. But it was actually the right decision, you know, because I didn't have many... Well, you know, I had four and five cost characters in hand, so the risk that you were just going to outpace me with amazing characters was very real. Um, so just slowing you down a turn or two was, uh, was very useful for me to get back into it, because you did get to 13 or 14 power, I think, before, mm. I, uh, before I managed to claw it back. So. Yeah, I think if it wasn't uh, such an anti-banter card, I would consider Pyromancers in the deck. Um, although the faction card needed is a bit of a bummer when you've got Harrenwall as well, but I only had uh, I had much more and I think I had another card that Faction Mule was it uh, Ed? it was yes my one card under four cost because he is also a meat personality the Laura said so um, yeah he was very very useful very useful uh, but um, I, I am I right am I right in remembering Peel that you played Banner Bridge in the melee at Starlet was that it I did, yes. It didn't go well. Um, no. Giving an opponent opposite you an extra free card is really it's nice. Enemy. Uh, enemy. All right, yes. Enemy. <laughs> giving an enemy a free card is sometimes quite nice because, you know, in a way they go, ah, nah. And you can predict a little bit easier what's coming because you're only playing against one person. And depending on the house, you know what's coming out normally if it's a free high coster, so you can plan against it. When you're playing against four people um, or three enemies... You know, you've got way too many enemies to keep track. And I found what happened was I kind of got a little bit fucked over by the free cards I was giving them. Um, because I had such a powerful board in melee, because I had all B 
big beasties, I feel I, I was a little bit targeted because I'm sat there with five seven cost characters and they're generally not as much. Do we think there's a there's a banter bridge deck that can ban a kraken? Not yet. <laughs> I think it's coming though. I think I think one day it will appear and it will be glorious. Because Victorian is a pretty good top end for the deck. I'm not sure there's enough value in it. I mean, iron mines are pretty useful when you've got all those expensive characters. Yeah. Uh, and obviously Asher and Theon and uh, Victorian are all very good. But And, you know, newly made Lord. Is he after he mar- you marshal him or after he comes into play? He's marshal, yeah. That's a shame. Mm. Well, it's probably not a shame, really, given that he's a, just another very anti-bandit card. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but blowing, blowing locations up in the bot phase is fun, right? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, everything's better in the plot phase. We've established this. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I didn't think I'd bother with Grey Coin, although there's Iron Mind generally. They just don't have enough enough versatility at the top end of the characters. What about any other mm-hmm. houses? Does anyone think... Uh, obviously, Dragon was chosen initially because uh, the Dothraki have summer synergy. Getting multiple challenges when you don't always have that big a board is very useful without going... Uh, Miri was obviously the uh, flavour of the month and was very, very good in that deck as my actual kill. Uh, the eight cost Dothraki army are suddenly a lot less, uh, a lot more affordable when they're free. So um, <laughs> Everything's nice. a lot more affordable when it's free, though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh of course, we forget uh, one of the little sub themes of my deck, at least. I don't know if you included it. I think you did, Rowan. Uh, Mance. Yeah. Uh, not many people like Mance that much, but Mance is also very, very good when he's free. Uh, he and, is. And again, synergy with old man. Yep. Making you wild and um, cheap. But it's fun because you know, when you Fortunately, I'd never drew him. Oh. I've, yeah. I've ambushed some stuff with him, and it is fun to drop in the, uh, the five cost wildling horde mid challenge. And kneel your faction card to give you plus two strength. Suddenly, oh, yeah, seven strength defender. Um, which, I'm, you know, I've done plenty of times with Ariane, but actually paying the gold for it, which you can in Tyrell, is quite fun. So, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Good times. So, uh, I mean, for me, Baratheon don't have much value. Barristan's fun. But, other than that, no. There's a lot of good Lannister characters you can drop in. Plenty of decent high end characters there. Um, yes. But Battle Lion is kind of. Always the boring option, isn't it? It is, it is. But then again, as you say, you know, everything's better in the plot phase, and a surprise Gregor is much more fun in the plot That's phase. true. If only we still had Lucas Blackwood. <laughs> That's yeah. a card. And you, you could do surprise Gregor and then immediately make a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Okay. Um, any more on Banterbridge, then? Just that it's really hilariously fun, um, and that I'm now going to struggle to play other decks that don't have at least two triggers per plot phase because it just feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it might take me a while to wean off of this. It is absurdly fun. It's, it's, yeah. it's really weird. Because what it is, basically, it boils down to play big blokes and win challenges, which is, you know, like kind of what a lot of second edition has been in general. But just the way it 
the way it plays is so much more fun than the average, um, you know, no-brain aggro deck. Because, yeah, it's just, it's just great. And it's just funny to play. I wish I, I always wish I played that as my um I swapped my decks around, took my melee deck um to my uh, single player tournament and obviously the uh, the Greyjoy deck I played in uh yeah. in standard. Like I wish I took that into me- like melee. That would have been so much better. <laughs> like just playing Bannerbridge, because no one would have expected it, because there wasn't many or a huge amount of high costs. It was kind of like quite medium level players. Or like characters, so I think it would have been nice. Yeah, we we discussed this after the joust. I thought, yeah, you probably would have had a bit more fun as well. Because hmm. you know, it's just getting whooped by. I was getting whooped by Lannister. Or well, not even Lannister. It's like Martell fancy stuffs are back again. And it's just like ah, Greyjoy does not like this. No, and uh, Martell don't have that many expensive characters. No, they don't. That, if you're running the seven cost Martell characters, you're gonna have that time. You're not going to be able to get them. Next year, Peel. Next year. Hey, hello. <laughs> okay, then. With Banterbridge out of the way, we're going to chat a little about, about the TV show and the books. So, Peel, as you brought this up, do you want to uh, take this away? And uh, would, talk yes. about what you want to talk about. Okay. So, as I've recently watched season six, it's taken me a while, but I've done it. Um, I've watched it all pretty much in a couple of days. And I was thinking, this is getting to, this is at the point now where we're passing the books with the TV show. And are we going to ever get the last book? You know, let's be honest. Last um, two books. Exactly, that's <laughs> what I mean. Last two. But um, the last book especially, I reckon the, the second to last one, the penultimate, is going to be... I reckon it will be out within a year. Because it's there's too much rumours flying around it now. Um, but we don't know how different this is going to be to the TV show. So if there are some very significant changes... Do you think the cards are going to follow the linear of the TV show or that story? Or do you think they're going to get to or wait for the books? Or do you think they're just going to kind of, well, yeah, just have to rush them almost uh, and get to the point where they have to choose the TV show because the books aren't available? But it's at that end point. I don't know this for a fact, but I quietly suspect that FFG's license doesn't actually cover the television show for this part of it. Um, so I mean I don't know that for a fact it's just something I've suspected um, well I did see a thing on you know they've done that Game of Thrones version of Cosmic Encounter um, well, I didn't know that but yeah go on what they have done it's just called The Iron Throne which is as boring as sin but it's um they did a preview article about it on their website today which had which featured I think it had characters from the new season in it okay um, I know they've made a game in the so, past which had sort of imagery from the TV show, but it's never yeah, it does have... in the card game. No, that's true. So I don't know if that's a creative decision or a licensing one, but the the cards and everything as we know them have always followed the books as far as I'm aware, and this is something I'm overlooking. I've never noticed anything in the card game which is which screams at me this is from a TV show rather than a book. So I think we're going to have to just wait for him to finish writing them, I guess. Yeah, I mean, first of all, they're not going to run out of material from the five we have for a long time anyway. I mean, they didn't even get all the characters in in first edition or in the RC, no, the CCG. Um, yeah, like that, Hot Pie was missing. Yeah, um, yeah. we've still never had a Tormund Giants bait. Yeah. 
in what 14 15 years of this game was there a tcg <laughs> tournament i i don't think there was all right i got cards let's go <laughs> there's certainly never been the lcg anyway and a few other key characters i'm sure are missing and yeah there's loads that had cards in first edition that haven't yet in second edition so i mean there'll be a few years before they run out of dudes there's so many characters in the story but I, I think it's an interesting question of what they do even when we get the next book. Because, you know, with the Star Wars card game, for example, they had, they've just announced a new cycle, which is going to be largely based around Rogue One. Um, they're doing the same with Destiny. So we might get a Winds of Winter cycle when the book comes out, which would be pretty sweet. I mean, at the moment, they're loosely based on a book-by-book book kind of thing. So the last cycle, well, the cycle we're just finishing is... Uh loosely based around the Clash of Kings. Um, yeah, of course. Presumably, the next one is Storm of Swords. We'll go on Feast, Dance. So that's another three cycles that haven't been released. Uh, and the Beyond the Narrow Sea cycle in first edition was based around A Dance of Dragons. Primarily. Mm. I don't know whether that was just uh, the first one that came out after the book was released, and therefore they just had loads of new characters to do. I presume it was. Well, the first one that was, yeah, uh, so. you know, they had time to test and commission artwork and stuff after the book was released. Because uh, it had all the mercenary uh, characters and uh, Quentin Martel and all that kind of thing. They've always seemed um, sort of quite coherent in a way, like a steady progression through the the back catalogue. So it's there's like a consistency. Whereas if you look at Star Wars LCG now, it definitely has more of a look of like a, like fantasy football team sort of set up because you've both, where it used to be loosely rebellion era with all the cards. Now it's, they've got rebels in there, rogue ones coming in. So there's a lot more mismashing going on, which doesn't yeah, that's tend true. to happen with thrones. It's always been in that era, but if they're doing it with one game and perhaps source material does dry up as unlikely as that is, we could end up getting maybe, you know, Robert's rebellion, as a cycle or something, and then introduce that kind of element to it and make it a bit more of a a mashup. But, um, don't know. I mean, we've had yeah. Robert's Rebellion cards in the past. We've got John Aaron, mm. even though he he is alive until about a week before the book starts. Uh, John Aaron, Mad King, um, Hightower, Rhaegar. Rhaegar. Yeah. So there were four or five. Oh, Lyanna. So at least five characters were, uh, were alive and, at that point. Even, even earlier. Yeah, of course. Had yeah, and uh, the laughing storm as well. Mm. Yeah. Which, uh, so, uh, which is an interesting question because what's going to happen with the laughing storm and the Mad King? Yeah, Are they going to be reprinted as is? Uh, rumours were abound a couple of years ago from the, the FFG CEO Christian Peterson didn't want cards from before the books in first edition anymore, let alone second edition. He said no no more, you know, legacy characters, no more champ cards will be legacy characters. Um, and we got the Mad King after that, but since then, obviously, we've had no, no further ones. Will we get the Mad King as the Mad King? And then the Laughing Storm's looking even less likely. Maybe they'll just get the same text, but just renamed. But it would be a shame of the Mad King to do that, because it's so overall thematic everything that card works so giving the same ability to a, a new person mm. uh, doesn't really make any sense does it no I mean they might the Mad King as legacy characters go is 
a lot more impactful on the books than a lot of others. So if they're going to do any, <clears throat> they would be Rhaegar, the Mad King, Arthur Dane, that kind of those kind of characters. Uh, the Laughing Storm, on the other hand, is quite a. <laughs> Considering he died basically before Eddard was born, that's um, quite a while before. So he's more likely yeah. to come back, in my opinion, as a uh, as a miscellaneous Baratheon fan. <laughs> Well, I reckon they should ban champ cards entirely anyway, but... They should ban champ cards? Yeah. Why's that? Well, well, there's so many people who never got them, so it's unfair. There's not that uh, many. I mean, do you mean champions or just people in general? Because I never got one. I mean, that's kind of unfair, right? Hey? No, I just I just think champ cards have always been a source of a bloody problem more often than not, so let's just knock on the head, get rid of them. Well, I don't. What would they? What would the top prize be if it wasn't wasn't a champ card? Not so. Forty quid. Money. Forty quid. <laughs> Fair. Uh. Fair. I mean, if you look through the list, the list, um, <laughs> there's only one instance before 2012 where we haven't had the champ card, and that was Eric Butzler, who allegedly doesn't get on so well with them anymore and decided against designing his second card. Um. And then there's two in 2012 that we haven't had. Melee champions, so we just don't care about them anyway. Uh, uh, and then there's a, you know, a tranche of more coming out, and this is not up to date because it doesn't include reigns, but it's fine. But of course, you know, we want Vince's card. It's going to be the best one. It's going to be a great job, won't it? Presumably. Yeah, we would hope. I think there's another um, interesting question that the comparison to Star Wars raises because the the new Destiny set right that has um, Rogue One characters in it it's out really soon and they must have been testing it before Rogue One came out right so what I wonder is do the licenses give FFG designers access to spoilers or do they just play test cards without knowing what their names are going to be like who the characters are going to be was Rogue, uh, Rogue One a book like most of the Star Wars kind of things are made? Um, I don't no, know whether not, it was a book first, was it? Or I, I think it was. They made a book like simultaneous with the movie, I think. Yeah, uh, right. Okay. But not beforehand. Like it was pretty well under wraps, I think, mm. about like who the characters were and stuff. And even up till the very last trailers, like when exactly it was set and stuff like this. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they got some basic character bios that the public wouldn't get. You know, Jin, Jin Erso is this kind of person, and in the film, she has this kind of arc. And she has this weapon. Yeah. So they can do some very basic uh, basic design of that, but then it's probably not high on uh, Disney's list of priorities. Is it? No, but then that raises the interesting question of, is FFG in communication with the Martin estate about future characters potentially but then again at this point it's it's not an issue is it because uh, they're doing them chronologically that's true oh. yeah there's at least Certainly. another year and a half until we would want wins for the purposes of the game and you know if Peel's to be correct then uh, maybe we'll have wins by that point you never know 
And also there's, there is a, you know, a quite set standard in place of having multiple characters represented. So even if they run out, they could probably just do a second pass and some of the sort of uniques that have only got one option that keep people busy. Um, yeah. And also, I don't know really how many new characters of import we can expect from the last two films, um, last two films, last two books. Because if anything, he's probably working on um, <laughs> wrapping things yeah, up rather lot, than yeah. bringing more people in. This is very true. Well, but this is Martin. He's just, he shits characters, doesn't he? He's... Oh, we'll get some red shirts, yeah, but I don't know he's how not many. not have a bunch more, yeah. Um, we're not going to get a major influx, I would imagine. I think the main players are on the stage now. I don't know. I reckon he's probably, probably he's trolling and the prince who is promised is a character who we don't even know yet. That's my theory. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it could be. I introduced Aegon and then decided, actually, fuck it. We'll have someone else. Change he didn't work. <laughs> we'll have a new guy. Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Good Steve, old Steve. What does Steve do? Steve built the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Does that answer your question, Peel? Kind of does a little bit, yeah. I feel like uh, you covered it. Just maybe we got another Daenerys. This is a little bit annoying now, I'm not going to lie. All this thing with dragons. Hey, ho. Oh, you definitely will. Copies, yeah. At least one more when targeted Deluxe Box. Like, all, all the main characters have only got a one-off at the moment. Yeah. Where we'll get their second version when their relative Deluxe comes out. That's almost guaranteed. I want the great... Oh, the great Deluxe. Oh! going to be a while but I reckon that's going to be actually the saviour the saviour 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 radio <laughs> yeah someone's got to save it I may, I may just have to sit that episode out when that gets released just may just take a woman in gold <laughs> you, let, you do just, go for it we could do an unboxing on uh, Facebook ooh that sounds exciting mm-hmm. I haven't tried that medium out yet no, we've done a, done a couple of uh, Facebook live streams before. Very fun. Do you reckon one of you could just try and dodge all the spoilers and do a proper reaction? That's easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't go on. Yeah, forget the internet. People still is um, getting surprised by cards in the corset. <laughs> <laughs> you were a bit shocked um, at the uh, team championship by uh, for my combat. When that came out on uh, someone's first no turn. What is it? Oh, oh. Like, yeah, that, that's a good card. <laughs> that is a good card. <laughs> yeah. Peel, to wrap us up, do you have a tip of a week for us? And did you wash a playmat? Um, I haven't washed a playmat, oh. Dave. Um, for many reasons. Mostly all my playmats are at your house. Um, oh. Bar one, which is very, very clean, and I don't really want to ruin it because it's the only one I've ever won. (laughs) (laughs) At risk. I know it probably will work. I'm pretty sure of my idea here. But (laughs) it's it's the team mat. I like it. It's a nice little mat. Um, And I didn't, I just didn't want to, because it's very dark as well. I didn't want to risk it like running out. Like. That was my main concern. So top tip of the week, just don't do it. Just just hold fire until I've tested um, my theory out, for the love of Christ. Because I'm like, <laughs> I know how clean my plates are when they come out, and I know how dirty they are when they go in, and some crazy stuff is going on in there. Um, but, yeah, also, top another top tip. This uh, sauce I found, I say found, 
uh, was in a pub, and I, I loved it so much I took a picture. So if you ever get a chance, in fact, you can buy it from shops. Not this exact one, but there's very similar equivalent. I believe mean, Jack Daniels do one. Uh, it's superb and quite literally goes on anything. So it's more of a challenge, actually. If you can find something that bourbon sauce doesn't go on, I will concede. Uh, but currently, it's the best sauce in the world. It's just the Jack Daniels. It is, yeah. The, you know the Jack Daniels bourbon he sauce you can get? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that stuff. Yeah, it's all right. Goes on everything, Dave. Literally everything. You name it, it goes on it. Quack. Think, oh, I want a bacon. It goes on a croissant. It's sweet enough. Jalapenos and ice cream. Potentially, Dave, because jalapenos and ice cream are already a nightmarish dream anyway. <laughs> you know it's a thing. Sort of. <laughs> I wouldn't want the thing if it was a thing. Um, it's that would than not it be. Sounds. It's better than it sounds. It can't be better than it sounds. <laughs> well, how does it sound? Disgusting. And it's better than that. <laughs> it, was, it was nice. Mild disgusting. It was nice, if utterly confusing. And it tastes uh, like Victor the, Frankenstein's homemade broth. It tasted broth. nice, it was just the texture was strange. So, yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was, it was, it was a te- strange texture. It was like, you know, vegetables, but, but in ice cream. That was weird. But they're not but really like, vegetables, are they? Peppers are vegetables. Yeah, but it's not a pepper. It's a jalapeno soaked in water for a period of time. Surely that would be it pickle. It doesn't stop being a vegetable. I, I know, but it, it would surely lose its nutritional value if soaked in juices. Uh, plausibly. But that's not the point. It's still a vegetable. <laughs> Can't count it as a vegetable. It's still got the texture of a vegetable. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so please don't try and wash your hands. And if anyone has done it, uh, fair play. Did it work? Let us know. You can write in via email at uh, banterbehindthethrone at gmail.com. Or you can tweet us. Why not send a tweet? I think we have a Twitter. Dave, do we have a Twitter? No! Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't tweet us. It is, I'm going to make a Twitter. That will be my contribution to this uh, this month. You I will maintain uh, the Twitter. I will maintain the Twitter. I need a reason to tweet. Um, I haven't got a reason to tweet at the moment, so I'll tweet various bits and bobs. Okay. Yeah. That sounds fun. Look for us on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Martel Stack.